the experience we've had with them has been one of the rare ones where both as consumers of the stuff that they've been producing for the last bit with Game Pass, VS Code, et cetera, um, and people dealing with them on the business side, in both cases, it's been good. And usually, yeah, yeah. it's usually it's one or the other, where you're like, it's great to be a player of Or neither, this. sometimes, too. Yeah, or neither. <laughs> Scotch. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 347 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast of Butterscotch shenanigans. I'm Seth and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam and I'm cold. I'm Sam and I like the way that you say game dev comedy podcast, you know? Yeah. Going on. You gotta get it, gotta get through it quick so we can get on to the... The good stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a show where we talk about life, business, and working in the games industry. Today's January 10th, 2020. You. Before we get started, we have a warning. There's going to be profanity in this show. Uh, we also have a couple of donations from moneygrab.bscotch.net uh, with some accompanying messages. Oh. So, you guys ready? Yeah. yeah. All right. First one from Degeki, who says... Uh, I really feel this is literally the least I can do after almost seven years of podcasts. Thank you all for sharing yourselves each week. You have literally, too much, changed my life. I mean, every interaction (laughs) does in some way, uh, but your thoughts have influenced mine for the better. Thank thank you you very much. Thanks for all the kind words. That's, I uh, like the loftiness. Seven years. And then paired with yeah. like, but low key, that was kind yeah. of like going to happen regardless because of the nature of change, but also seems good. You know, that was a nice. But also, I'm going to do the least I can, you know. It's yeah. a good Yeah, but also he's just collection. wrong. Like like the least he could do is just. Is literally no, nothing. Just not, yeah. not That's what true. he did. So right? thanks to Geki so, for doing more than the least. Yeah. For for doing ab- above nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, more Which than is nothing a good, is always a, good, a lot more than nothing, no matter how you it's, measure. You know? Yeah, proportionally, especially, yeah, it's definitely. very. It's, you can't even really gauge how much more it is. You know, yeah. it's so much more. Uh, we also got one from Matty, who says your podcast has given me a lot, and it's one of the only podcasts I consistently look forward to each week. Thanks for releasing inclusive and fun things into the world. Yeah, uh, thanks. So thank you very much. We appreciate the kind words, and of course, uh, even more, the money. Yep. We love that. Love so that good. money. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> I think I prefer the kind of words. I don't even know where the money goes. Yeah, but yeah, you can take money and turn it into coffee. That's a good point. That's true. Which coffee is, you know, lifeblood. Mm-hmm. It is. It I have, is. So on that note, let's see. So we've got these two longtime listeners. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. one a very long time, if the, if they've really been around for seven years. I think the uh, gig, yes. I think <laughs> so. The a name's long time. in there, yeah. And another thing that seems to be true from our analytics on the podcast, which I don't trust exactly because I don't know how they collect them, but is that we have roughly the same number of listens mm-hmm. every week. It's like plus or minus 10% kind of a thing, right? Oh, we're locked in. Is it just the same people? Oh, yeah. Is it the same? Yeah. The same group and nobody like else a, is coming in. We got like well, a small yeah, town is- worth of people and then, yeah, but it's sort of, it's done like a moat in a remote passage in the mountains, I think. Yeah, this is something travelers. we've looked into mm-hmm. Be- mm-hmm. because we found that, like, there's apparently there's this moment when you launch a new podcast yes. that all of the podcast apps and and things will like pr- promote the shit out of it and feature it and whatever. And that wasn't much of a thing back when we started. And also, even if it was, we didn't know about yeah, it. I think we just didn't. Know. Uh, I think it was still that same and, way. And so yeah. it wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't I think until it's actually like less episode today than it was then that you could. Yeah. Yeah. So it wasn't until probably like episode 100 or something where we were like, well, like we should try to grow this thing. <laughs> <laughs> and then we started looking around and, our, and everybody's like, no, nah, yeah, you can't like, you can't start growing your podcast after two years. Mm-hmm. Like you get, that's something that's supposed to happen immediately. Yeah. Can we do a so season? There's a question of, what if we did a season? We just call the we first 347 episodes season Season one. one. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, okay, maybe when you know? we get to three, we'll do 350 episode seasons. So it's yeah. like a seven year season, uh, like a locust swarm, you know? And <laughs> yeah, then, that's a good then, <laughs> Oh God, can you hear us? And then the Butterscotch podcast are coming. Uh, yeah. So what we could probably do is just like, well, we could just, after some point, we'd be like, okay, season one is done. Now we're just going to take two weeks off. You know, we do some rebranding, yeah, for season uh, two, and mm-hmm. start the new season, season two, episode one. You know, we'll we'll come right after that, and it'll have mm-hmm. we'll have maybe like uh, an updated title, It'll be like coffee with butterscotch, 
uh, two maybe would yeah. be a good title I think for the new season, season two, right? That's all I got to do. Season two, uh, yeah, and then we could then we could actually launch the thing and and hit a new audience. Yeah, I think podcasts yeah. are kind of interesting in the discoverability problem because you know we talk a lot about discoverability problems with games because that's mm, our main right. problem. Uh, in a podcast is like. It's a it's a similar problem, but it's actually even harder because there's first there's actually more of them, um, and there's more that, platforms. It's amazing there's, there's so more many. of something than there are games, right? But yeah, there's way more. There's way more places you can get them. Um, so they all have like there's a single source of truth basically for your mm-hmm. podcast, like where it lives. But then the feeds go everywhere, you know. And so you're at the whims of just what application the person has that they're listening to their podcast on and what that application does. So it's almost like like we just have a handful of stores we have to deal with for games, right? It's like we got we got our Steam storefront, we got our mobile platform storefronts, and so on, right? And each one we know yeah. a lot about, and we know how to think about optimizing things for success in those places, right? With podcasts, though, like it could it could just be anywhere, yeah. and because the podcast company doesn't actually make money off of our, they don't actually make money off of our podcast, right? Because they're specifically, yeah. Of a specific, or, or like any developer specifically, they like pay to bring them on. Like, uh, yeah, the, the whole ecosystem like is pretty confusing. It's a weird ecosystem, and then searchability doesn't exist because but are there like publishers. So can we get a publisher? There are publishers. Yeah. Well, they're podcast like, networks. They're network, yeah. Right. But like, if we've been doing publishers. this for seven, I mean, however long, too many years, and then on top of that, do you have a, a very dedicated, you know, following of a couple thousand people every week? I mean, that's good. It yeah, we well, get it's like, good, but it's we get, I think collectively it's across peanuts, com- you know, seven years of episodes, we get like ten thousand a week or something like that, right? Yeah, um, which is like that's not nothing. That's a lot of that's a lot of people listening to stuff. Yeah, uh, but it's also when you compare to like the things where people are pulling in like ad dollars, you know? Oh no, no, no I know, but like because like the point is that we literally have never actually we never been, been able we never promoted promote it or pushed. <laughs> Well, I think there's, there's also this thing is there's a search problem here, right? There's, there's a niche problem and a search problem because how does a person find a podcast, right? Well, somebody else tells them about the podcast usually, yeah. usually. and so that's the number one way. Number two way is you're at some point you're like, I need more podcasts, so you open up whatever podcast app you have and you just look at the things at the top, right? Mm-hmm. And then you yeah. try to figure out what they are and if you want them, uh, or you just do a Google search and you're like, top podcasts 2020. One or whatever, right? Um, and go find them that way. And so, and there's a lot of like that. And then it feels like the lesser mechanism is to like look for the niche, you know? So it's like, oh, what are podcasts about X, right? And so we basically don't appear in any we category the, until you hit well, we the niche. We show up on the niche, yeah. We show up on the game yeah. dev podcast side, but kind of, but like but our only podcast kind of. is sort of about it's it's about a bunch of stuff. It's, it's just us just it's, it's more just about, us talking about shit. Yeah, it's more about like <laughs> like uh, approaches to life and business than it actually is. Kind of kind of through the lens of us making games. You know, we yeah, uh, you know. we get you in the door through the games, but you know, you stay. Well, that's, but that's the, the question: is are we getting people else. through the wrong door? Because people are looking for looking for podcasts about game development because there's a pretty popular podcast about playing games, right? Yeah. Yeah. But there's no, like, I mean, we're, we're up there with whatever the game development related podcasts are because like none of those are huge. It's just not a big niche, but there's, there's a huge niche for like entrepreneurship, you know? And like, yeah, we don't really go, we don't go super deep consistently into one area, which I think is what our current listeners really like is that we kind of like, some days it's just, it's just we're just talking about like some life struggle thing or some yeah. interesting aspect of like team management. Another week it's like tools development and another week it's just yeah. listener questions, you know. But like it's it all kind of wraps around the theme of you know us trying to like just be better people and help each other and help our listeners right and like try to learn about life and and navigating problems. But it's not really about game development but consistently. It is, yeah. But, it, but it's, <laughs> it's kind of about the games industry, kind of about being players of games. Like there's a lot going on. You know, so it's still it, through that. It is still through that lens. But. It's more equivalent to if you find a game to play online with your buddies in like. So we start. We've been playing Back for Blood uh, once a week, the three of us. And and what I find is interesting about that is technically it's about you know you're organizing around that activity, but actually the best parts are just essentially either being total goofballs during it in ways that have nothing to do with it, or the occasional sporadic deeper discussion about some aspect of 
you know, life or whatever you got going yeah. on. Right? The activity so, is just like the social lubricant. Yeah, it's like the plate on which you put the yeah. food, but yeah. you don't show up for the plate. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, so I think we're I think serving we up a, we're serving up hot meals here. We have that's, a, that's right. That's yeah, right. We, I think we have a we have a discoverability problem with the podcast, and I think it's it needs some retargeting and it needs some SEO juice because oh, we'll we'll, you know, be we'll think here. about season yeah, yeah we'll think about season two uh, pretty soon here probably we'll think about that and yeah, see what yeah. I mean I have a, there's <laughs> like I have a just like with literally everything that happens in the studio I have a list of like twenty things that I want to do you know. And yep. every single one is an enormous project. And so every single one is three months. Yep. So with the podcast, yeah. it's like we do this because it's fun. So here's the deal, you know, head to moneygrab.biscotch.net, you give us some more money, maybe we could put some uh time into those uh, <laughs> yeah, there you uh, projects. You know what I'm saying? Just uh, Yeah, if please. only. If only we could just directly con- convert that money into time. Oh man. Yeah, it's a pretty lost. Time is money, but money isn't time. Yep. You know? No, not at all. <laughs> it only goes one way. Well, actually, I mean it depends on what you spend the money on. Because you spend that money on a better tool, spend that money on uh, employing somebody, you know, and then they go do the thing instead of you doing the thing. Yeah. Spend that money on a Hermione Granger time twister. Boom. Which one thing I wondered about, because she was, she was taking like three years worth of classes in one year and then she twisted time backwards so that she could continuously get her homework done. So she would now be two years older biologically than everybody else, right? Yes. so like, unless, unless the mind, the question is, yeah, does her mind, mind comes back? And, yeah, she yeah. keeps her, she keeps the, 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 the so nurse her, work. so her brain aged. Yes, her yes. brain would have to age technically. Yes. Okay, In order interesting to keep the connections. Yeah, yeah, interesting. So she's gonna do you think? Do you think there would have been dementia, basically? It's gonna be very yeah, so essentially, yeah, locking in your your brain's neurons, but then resetting everything else in the world, including the rest of your body. I would think that would kind of give you some, yeah, some neurological issues. There'd be with some like, weird API problems, you know, between like hooking yeah. that new how your body plugs wear. in. Yep. brains uh, are pretty good at adapting to weird yeah, stuff, though. But so dare I, I say, dare I say, I don't think J.K. Rowling thought too hard about about that. Nobody or ever thinks does hard enough about time travel. Let's be real. Yeah. All right. Now let's talk about. News. Oh yeah, no, I'm scared. Okay, some big stuff this week. Uh, we'll, we won't talk about a big stuff, yeah. a big thing, uh, and and then if if time, we'll try to get to some some questions. Because big thing this week is that uh, Microsoft bought Activision Blizzard, uh, and let's talk about that. So yeah. the deal was what was it sixty seven billion billion dollars with a B. billion with a B That's billion with a B. Mm. Uh, That's so shit. Which I believe that makes it the largest gaming acquisition. Just by like a three X or something insane. Yeah, I, mean, yeah, I hope ever. so. If there's some other one out there that's even bigger than that, it's just yeah. horrifying. Um, so a couple interesting things happened immediately. You know, one is that Activision. So, so just as a quick recap, Activision Blizzard they make uh, Candy Crush, Call of Duty, uh, Warcraft, Diablo, Starcraft, Overwatch, that whole like Blizzard collection, um, and uh, Hearthstone. And to a lesser extent, Heroes of the Storm, which nobody gives a shit about. Uh, Crash Bandicoot, uh, Tony Hawk Pro Skater, Spyro the Dragon, Guitar Hero. um, And notably, uh, I think all of those IPs were just purchased by Activision. Like Activision itself is a parent company that just uh, in just Kirby style just sucks up other companies. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, And as as a... Side note, my own personal, one of my earlier experiences with Activision um, was when I was in Iowa City in 2010, starting law school, I was looking around to see like, are there game studios I can try to like get involved with? And uh, Budcat Games, which worked on uh, Guitar Hero, on the Guitar Hero franchise, um, was in Iowa City. And it was one of the only game studios in the state of Iowa, actually. Uh, Activision bought them. And then fired everybody and closed the studio within like a year and a half or something. Uh, so that was one of my earlier interactions with Activision. And as a company, Activision actually started in the 70s. Uh, and they were a big catalyst in the video game crash uh, because they found a way around uh, Atari's business model so that basically Activision could sort of like – make a shit ton of money while sabotaging Atari's attempts to control the video games market. 
so so Activision has always been kind of like on the on the we will just do whatever to make as much money as possible, sort of regardless like the, the of the suits, consequences. The suits version. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, true yeah. capitalists. You know the capital yeah. C. Yeah. Now it is it is worth noting though that at the beginning they did make games and they were they were known for making the best games. Um, uh, that that has since changed. Nowadays, their model essentially has has especially for the past ten years has been uh, acquire a company uh, that has an already successful IP and then siphon as much cash out of that company as possible while forcing them to cut costs as much as possible and continue to diminish the resources because the easiest way to make large profit margins is to take in the, something in the that, short term. In the short term, yeah. is to take something that is generating a large amount of consistent passive revenue and then just take it uh just without it. yeah and the, and then if you you can cut as much of the support as possible uh so an interesting notice for example like you know Activision Blizzard they fired like 800 uh customer support staff mm-hmm. right and it's basically like okay there boom now like this was a couple of years ago it's like okay boom we've just saved a ton of of uh of annual costs in maintaining the game and sure our players would have to wait like three days to get their support tickets answered, but we're banking on that. Most of those players will still keep playing our games. And if we lose a few players, we still come out on top. Mm -hmm. Right. And so this has been their MO for a long time. And on top of that, internally Activision Blizzard has been in the news for the past uh, year, especially for just an absolutely horrible work environment Uh, in just in every kind of D dehumanizing way that you can think of, whether it's uh, misogyny, whether it's racism, whether it's crunch or just general like abuse of power and exploitation of any any person who is who can be exploited. That's going on there, right? Yeah, they're basically playing toxic game dev industry bingo. You know, it's just like yeah, mm-hmm. just yeah, just <laughs> and they yeah, and they and they're just hitting, hitting every single space instantly, every day, all the time. Um, so of note. Uh, I think I think it was a few months ago. Phil Spencer, uh, who's head mm-hmm. at uh, Microsoft Gaming, Games. Mm-hmm. had a, a public comment in response to all of the Activision news coming out about their bad workplace, where he said <laughs> so, something ominous along the lines of, "In light of these, in light of this news, we're going to be seriously reevaluating the nature oh. of our relationship with Activision Blizzard." Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which, Which apparently I, meant, yeah, I thought that was like a, you know, maybe we'll there'll be some very intense, you know, conversations on the backside that like yeah, basically if you don't clean up your stores. shit, like we're just gonna not let your games on our platform. Which is, you know, no, it turned thing. out to be we're gonna clean up your shit. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> well, because this is and this is an interesting problem too because like um, Microsoft's business angle has been. Game Pass. That's it. Like that. Like they've they they believe in the business model of pay ten dollars a month or whatever the subscription is, um, and you have access to a curated library of just fantastic games. Uh, and it's something we've talked about in the past of like the the value proposition of Xbox Game Pass is just is bonkers. Yeah. Like, I mean, speaking uh, from my own personal experience, I used to, I used to buy at least like six to ten games a year on Steam. Um, and I literally don't anymore. Yeah, I'd, essentially, and I, that's on because I use the the combined PC and and Xbox uh, Game Pass subscription, the ultimate one. Um, and there's just really good stuff basically every fucking week. And so I just well, don't. I, and I even I refunded my first ever Steam game this year because you guys were like, "Oh, let's play Back for Blood." I was like, "Oh yeah, I should go get it." And so I went and got it on Steam, right? Mm. And then like while it was downloading. Uh, one of you was like, "Oh yeah, did you know you can just get it in Game Pass?" And I was like, "I already have Game Pass. Like, why did I look there?" Sure enough, it's there, and so I, you know, I refunded it on Steam because I already have it on Game Pass, and there's no reason to pay sixty bucks for something that I already have, uh, or I can't remember how much it was, but but it it is it's increasingly becoming the case that that like Microsoft, I think, is is viewing all of these IPs as it's in the same way that. When Netflix mm-hmm. really st- really started taking over the streaming space, Netflix realized that it's all about the content, mm-hmm. right? You have to have really really good original shows that that are just rolled in with the subscription. People don't have to pay anything extra, 
And every single one of those things dramatically boosts the value of that subscription, right? Mm-hmm. And so now it is like, imagine if, um, if instead of, you know, needing to pay $15 for a WoW subscription, it was just part of your Game Pass, <laughs> or insane, you know yeah. you want to you want to play the new Diablo you want to play Diablo four you are, you already have it yep. you already have it you already it's part of your Game Pass right but I think it's um, fascinating about uh, this combo of like this purchase on Microsoft side though is that uh, Microsoft still had, doesn't have much in the way of access to the mobile market you know in terms of right. their games and they also actually on the PC side while they have a bunch of games that are on PC um, they don't have what I essentially they, they've never had basically the blizzard games, which largely is sort of like this big kind of bastion of uh, kind of that PC core audience. Uh, that's just always been there. You know, they never really had access yeah. to that. And so that's, I think the thing that blows my mind about is actually less about the other games that are on consoles and more, more about how aggressive of a move that is in terms of broadening access to the total kind of gamer sphere, as opposed to yeah. deepening it on the console side. Which well, well and, like and yeah, and something that that Microsoft is also working on, and I can't, I can't remember if this is like already out or if it's still kind of in progress. But this idea of 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 cloud gaming, but using your own Xbox, so it's like you could uh, open up on your Android device uh, mm-hmm, with a right. with an Xbox because Xbox controllers connect to Android devices via Bluetooth. Right. And so you can use your Android phone or tablet and then stream one of your games from your Xbox console, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then play it on your phone. Of course, it'll, it'll have the, the latency. Like, I, I'm still not really convinced that cloud gaming is, you know, a solution to any well, problem, the, really. The cloud but, gaming thing actually but, on the – because I've already used that on the, on the Xbox itself. Because you can actually just play yeah. stuff from – you, like, you can literally just like click on Hades and you just be playing it now, like through the console. You don't have to download or anything, yeah. Um, which is again even more fascinating because where where this is all getting to is basically the place where it's a much more similar uh, feel to something like a Netflix in terms of how you're engaging with the content, where you don't have to. It's not like on Netflix you have to wait an hour and a half to download a season of a show. You know what I mean? Yeah. Versus like yeah. if you're getting Forza on your Xbox, like that's just an insane amount of gigs of data that you got to pull down first before you can bother touching. Yeah. It. A lot it of the, yeah, at least triple A games are like 200 gigabytes. Oh, it's <laughs> yeah. It's totally it's insane. Wild. So I think what I, what I'm fascinated by with it is, is the, is really the broadening aspect of it. Like it's one thing to be like, yeah, we have, you know, they have Spyro, they have like all these classic IPs that were, you know, on, on PlayStation before. Um, but I think it's, it's more from a strategy standpoint, just the wildest thing to me that how effective this, move is at branching them into these areas where they were trying to get toeholds before. And like, they just, it's not, they have toeholds. They have like the pillars of certain aspects of PC gaming and mobile gaming now, which is, which is, Oh yeah. Like, I don't know what that means. That's a big thing. The thing that stands out to me is that I think people really fail to grasp, uh, the, the scope of these kinds of things because, so we've looked at, at various companies popping up or, uh, like new companies appearing that are trying to do things like cloud gaming or streaming services or whatever. And then you also have existing companies uh, trying to do the same thing with their subscriptions, you know, whatever it is um, from like Google Stadia, Apple Arcade, uh, PlayStation has their, like everybody's got their thing, right? Um, but so many of these companies are throwing what look to be large sums of money mm-hmm. at these projects in on the order of, $100 million here, $200 million, $500 million, right? But whenever you compare that amount of money to the scope of, of those companies' actual, even just like their cash reserves, mm-hmm. it's essentially zero. Like, they, they're, like they're not putting any true bets into <laughs> these markets. And Microsoft- I think so far Amazon is also the most, like yes. along that spectrum is the one yeah. that does that the most hilariously because they've been struggling so hard to like just really to get, get into, the game, into space. the game space. Yeah. Uh, because they won't actually just invest the resources required to do it. And, yeah. the, and the amounts of money that we're all seeing from the outside seem unimaginable. Because yeah, if it's are. like, oh, Amazon's going to spend $500 million trying to develop this thing. It's like, okay, but but if they have, you know, 50 billion in the bank, right, mm-hmm. <laughs> or something, then it's like, do, are they really? Yeah, if they really wanted to go, like, take over an industry, you know, like, yeah, like, like, we're, like, we're going like, to take over an industry, but we're only going to do it with, like, 
0.3% of our money. Yeah. You know, it's like, uh, it's, it's like, like it's me like, buying you know, a pen, you know, yeah. it's like, oh, Sam, yeah, bought it's, a pen. They're really investing. It's like, yeah. no, no, Butterscotch Yang is going to take over the books business because Sam bought a pen for $3. <laughs> you know, it's like, that's not, that's not the level of investment that Required. changes yeah. things, you yeah. know, well, and and especially we, yeah, you see this constantly. And, and, and well, part of it is, is there's the idea too, that you got to like, because you can take one of two approaches. One is you can say, we're going to do this, and you go at it as, as aggressively as you can, and then if you don't invest enough, like that was really the stupidest way to do that, right? And the other one is to say, well, we don't know how or if we can be successful in this space, mm-hmm. so we want to do an experiment to find out. And usually, when you're doing that, you're saying, okay, how can I do this as Cheap cheaply fun. as possible, given that it feels like it's a risk, right? But then again, the problem is that part of actually establishing some level of success mm-hmm. in these hyper-competitive environments just requires a fuckload of resources to get there. Yeah, if and you do so it cheaply, you, see, you probably just fail because you did it because you did cheaply, it too cheap, right? right? And you can see this with like because because Netflix has its gaming service now, right? Yeah, there are five Which, games I think on first five games after they announced it. I literally I forgot until just now that it even exists, right? I actually saw it on my phone for the first time the other day because I was looking for a show and I was like, oh yeah, and then it was uh it was like a, a solitaire game where like a yeah right <laughs> right, and I was just kind of like yeah. what. Yeah, so like so that's not this if you're trying cool. to do it, that's not how you do it, right? And so the question is, is like, so they're over here crunching data, presumably. They're like, okay, is this working? You know, like, are we? Should we put our money here? And, and like, how do you know? There's no way to know if it's working. Is what working? Is putting yeah, what like working. a Domino's yeah, game so, on there working? So, so just not. to give you a sense of this, though, so so Xbox Game Pass currently has 25 million subscribers. Yeah, which is insane, mm-hmm. right? And and it's a, it's a ten dollar a month service, and so like. And they're they're growing it, right? But that means that at this at this point in time, uh, uh, Microsoft is going to be able to bring in about three billion dollars a year in revenue from that, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So, like the idea of of spending you know sixty seven or whatever billion on doing something that they think is going to dramatically boost that number, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or even you know something like justify you know bumping it up to twelve dollar, or maybe like maybe there's like another tier, like oh yeah, fifteen bucks a month, and like here's this like extra tier of additional games you can get, you know, mm-hmm. or like whatever. Um, There's so many ways that they can they can leverage this. They're like it's just a it's it's a it's a bet, right? But they've shown that like they're willing to actually do it. They're willing to to dump in the cash necessary to actually change things and get a big return. Well, and I mean, bit, and all the things they bought are profitable things, right? So, like, yep, yeah. It's it, there's always still a question of scale of profits and what it is they're trying to do now. What are, what are they going to do with all of these entities? Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. but there's some other pieces of this too, right? Because as Sam was saying earlier, a lot of what's happening here is there is there they've made a power move. It's basically saying, oh yeah, mobile. Oh yeah, PlayStation. Like mm-hmm. we have stuff that that used to be yours, right? And Microsoft has not been able to be a big player in the spaces, and it's basically been shut out of those, right? And yeah. so it has purchased its way in. in. And that from a like business to business, you know, battle sort of sort of perspective is an extremely valuable thing because it gives them a whole bunch of leverage along lots of dimensions, one of which is legal, right? Because one of the things that, you know, the, the joke has always been in games that whoever's at the top when it's the console wars or whatever, right? Whoever's at the top basically shuts everybody else out mm-hmm. and says, do it my way. Yeah. The highway, and everybody you know? under them is all about inclusiveness and cross-platform everything. And, <laughs> yeah. and Microsoft has actually been out on the back foot for so long compared to like PlayStation and, and then also to the mobile space because, you know, they've tried their Windows phone, they've done some stuff, but they just couldn't actually break into those markets and become a gatekeeper inside those markets. So they've kind of just left those markets more or less alone, right? Yeah. And there's just like no way in. So like Xbox has still been trying to compete with PlayStation head to head, you know, like for the next generation and so on, right? Um, but it's still just been, they've, they've just been kind of shut out. And so what they've done here is said like, okay, we're, we're just not shut out anymore, right? So one of the things that I think is interesting about this, and I like to see what happens is with all the monopoly stuff related to and like the walled garden aspects of the platforms, right? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Because the because like so far who's been suing who, right? Like so far mostly it's been still like really wealthy companies, but because of how all this stuff works, the, the degree scale of difference of Epic is enormous. Versus Microsoft is not yeah Epic versus Microsoft or uh, scale yeah. or Spotify versus Apple, right? Like mm-hmm. yeah. Spotify, wealthy as fuck company. Mm-hmm. 
infinite resources. But not like, Microsoft. Compared to Apple, nothing. Yeah. Compared to Microsoft, nothing, right? So, yeah. so <laughs> Apple's been getting sued continuously for how like walled garden they are uh, with accusations of monopolistic behaviors and all this kind of stuff, right? But the biggest players, like they could still sue, but they it's, but it's a it's a harder problem when you don't have like numbers you can like say like here's the actual damage done to me, and that's what mm -hmm. I'm suing over. If it's you yeah. saying like I think they're a monopoly, I want in there. Well, I, yeah, I want you to destroy this monopoly. That's a different <laughs> yeah. kind of question. It's much harder to deal with. Yeah. Um, so like I don't know if that. This will lead to anything, but because Microsoft just basically like it's just like I'm in, I'm in you now, right? Which means you can you can do a thing to me that I can call damaging, right? Mm -hmm. Interesting. So like what I like to to me this is like, this is like with that money spent because because the long term goals of each one of these companies is to is to be a monopoly. That's how capitalism works, right? Yeah. Their long term goal is to be the one place where they get to choose whatever prices they want doesn't matter. They get to have all the stuff and they will have destroyed their competitors and destroying your competitors as a long-term, you know, goal can be worth a lot more. Cause like if, if, if Microsoft manages to capture some of Apple's market, how big is Apple's market? Apple's a trillion dollar company, mm -hmm. right? So if Apple can capture a significant fraction of that by losing money in the moment, because they did it Microsoft. to Microsoft, Microsoft, sorry, yeah, yeah. yeah. By, by losing in the moment, so they can like get in there and then do some stuff and cause some changes that downstream result in capturing significant market share. Then it's a it's a good move, even if yeah. they never make that money back directly from you know the game companies they purchased. Yeah, yeah, it's it's hard to tell because like you said, they they have enough. They're acquiring enough uh, games from just from this, and they have so many already now uh, from the other studios that they've acquired that. Yeah, they they have they have t tentacles just in everything, yeah. right? And so, so it's yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see. I mean, here's the thing: like, I I don't I don't trust any companies specifically uh, or inherently. Basically, I I trust companies to react um, in their own best interest, given their whatever their current position in the market is, right? Yeah. And so it's like there was a time where. Uh, Sony was the good guy, uh, you know, and had the backs of indies and whatever when, when PlayStation was losing to Xbox, mm -hmm. right? Um, and Microsoft was the bad guy. Mm -hmm. You yeah. guys remember that? Remember that? Oh, yeah. I mean, that was uh, actually then, before then, our time. Like, or, yeah. yeah. It was yeah. right before. Yeah. And then it was like right as it kind of, as we were getting off the ground. Um, and then of course, like next generation of consoles happens, everything flips, and then suddenly each company is acting completely the opposite of what they did two years prior. Right. And it's like, don't, you know, j just because this, this, like, uh, this can, like, it can be a deal done by a company or between companies that you historically have trusted. You're like, definitely still be vigilant about what's going on in those companies and how they're treating people and stuff. Um, yeah. And I, I, I'm very curious about like what what's gonna if what's gonna happen if anything with for example the working conditions at Activision. Yep. Right. Mm -hmm. Are they gonna um, get rid of Bobby Kotick? Yeah. Is this is this philosophy of like aggressive cost cutting and basically like starving out the the development team for like resources and overworking them? We're like, is that gonna keep happening? Uh, is well, that's interesting because like, that's actually not something that Microsoft is like. They're not notorious for that kind of a thing. Uh, they're actually generally considered to have like they're not they're not the top end of pay for like the aggressive competition between all these big tech giants for developers and stuff right um but they're a little they're just a little more like even you know mm -hmm. where it's like it's, yeah. it's treated in the industry as like microsoft stable like it's fine long term yeah. it's a good yeah. so, so it's, <laughs> yeah. it's an appropriate kind of like conservative thing to do as like an employee mm -hmm. or whatever, right? But then you still hear stories. It's like a government job. <laughs> it's, yeah, it literally is like a government yeah. job. But then you still hear stories, like I think it was just last year or two years ago, where um, they were getting into some trouble because of how much they were leaning on the contractor relationship with their yeah. staff yeah. in order to to basically be able to- To pay, not pay. To just pay less or, money, right? But also have less longer term kind of risk associated with employing people. Yeah, you don't, and, you don't, have, to, you don't have to cover people's health care- yeah. You don't have to worry, you don't have to do as much administrative work on their like disability or workers' comp or like whatever it is. And, and right? people like, that's are, their problem now as a yeah, contract. People who are contractors sure. who have a lot less protections and all that stuff too. Yeah. Uh, which also means a lot less legal risk for the mm -hmm. company hiring them. So, so like they're getting in trouble for that sort of stuff. Um, but it's not the same. 
So like, which is still bad and it's exploitative, right? But it's not the same kind of like literal abuse that, that you see yeah. happening elsewhere. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, it's one of those like at the moment currently, like with today's Microsoft and actually the last like uh, almost 10 Dude, years of Microsoft, years, yeah. mm-hmm. because they've actually been kind of seen as behind everybody, right? Mm-hmm. Despite having more money. Than almost anybody. Yeah. They're still seen as behind. <laughs> well, well, the problem is they're they're in so many different spaces, right? That they yeah. aren't they aren't necessarily the the dominant obvious force in quite a lot of them, right? Yeah. Like, um, they, like they're not they're not thought of as like, oh wow, uh, gaming Microsoft, like they're the top gaming company in the world, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, I mean, they they actually kind of are. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, it's hard to measure uh, that, right? Because like, yeah, but it's hard to it. measure it. Yeah, but like, okay, like they but have there. they have so many games, they have so many studios, they have so many gaming services, and they make tons and tons of money off of all of them. But but they don't have like a phone, right? They're not like competing with Google and Apple in that space, right? Mm-hmm. And they have a console, but it's like the number two console. But also they have PC games, but they're not Steam. You know, it's like, yep. and in, in any one domain, they are not the they're not the, the number one thing. Yeah. Uh, end games, but overall they they actually are doing it. Yeah, this, well, it's, right? and it's true because it's kind of forced them into this like humble state for long enough now. Mm-hmm. That it seems to be a cultural trend. In, in that there's yeah, there seems to have been like a significant cultural shift with the whole company, and actually with its with its leadership for the past while also. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Um, okay, what's what's the CEO current CEO's name? I can't remember, but but he did like a big push that was all about like openness and inclusivity, and, like and I haven't seen anybody else like uh, at, at at like GDCs and stuff where there's like the Xbox state booths and all this mm-hmm. stuff. They're always spectacular, huge things, right? Yeah. And it's still Xbox is the only company I've ever seen proudly and like intentionally and publicly demoing disability related stuff. Like they've yeah, like they have their disability controller, right? There's like really cool controller that's like has giant buttons and stuff that has been like developed in collaboration with various parts. I of think the it's it's community. because their their vision for what what the games what games should do is basically they want to have a billion gamers underneath their like within yeah. their stuff which just naturally mm-hmm. means you can't you, you can't alienate people you yeah it's a bigger be, audience than the <laughs> console audience which means yeah, yeah. well you got to think you got to think in long term you have to think like we want people to want to engage with the stuff that we make not not and this this is like a, a common theme among the um like the the people i play wow with right mm-hmm. which is they're like well the thing is for for a lot of world of warcraft players it's a hobby that all of their friends play and especially now like during a pandemic where it's not quite as easy to like go out into the world and pick up a new social group right mm-hmm. and it's like okay well well you're kind of locked into this as your social outlet um, and your shared activity with your friends and the cost of switching that is very high right because like if let's say you wanted to go to a new MMO or a new game or whatever, you don't know if everybody's going to like it. You don't know if everybody's mm-hmm. going to be good enough at it to like play together. Um, and also learning an entirely new game like that um, means that it's just like, it's very hard. And also you got to go buy the game or like, there's so many barriers to, mm-hmm. to picking up a new, like moving an entire social group to a new game. So instead people just stay, they just like stay in and wow even if the game itself is continually kind of like losing funding, losing quality, you know, not doing very well. And on top of that, feeling bad about paying money to a company that's treating its people poorly, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, you would much rather uh, be excited about the game that you're playing and feel like the developers of the game care about you and have been thinking about you having a good time playing it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um and you'd be so much more committed to that and be a fan of it instead of like a begrudging and trapped mm-hmm. participant, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how you actually get people to, by word of mouth and whatever, to bring other people in, you know? Like if somebody yeah. is super passionate about something and they believe in it and they think it's a good thing and that it has a positive impact in the world, then they're willing to talk about it to other people yeah. and it, and admit that they do this thing, that they play this <laughs> yeah. game or that they buy something from this company um, yeah. And so like it, and, and there is that kind of, um, idea that, that like investing in all those things, um, is expensive, you know, like it's something that we've talked about with like test driven development or not doing crunch or whatever. There's all these things or like, you know, putting colorblind modes in your game, you know, like all these different things that, that oftentimes get framed as a cost, mm-hmm. right? Because it's really hard to measure in the long 
term exactly what those do, but it can pretty easily, you can pretty easily see how in the long term, trying to just be really considerate of everyone, like your employees, your customers, you know, every, like your business partners, everybody just puts you in such a great position in the long run. But it's, it, yeah. you know, but it very much is a, in the long run situation. Yeah. Right? Yeah. In the moment it's like, okay, well, if we write tests for all of our code, it's going to take us an extra, you know, 20% development time to get our product quote done. Except in the past, done meant you just sent it to QA and then spent two years fixing all the bugs, right? <laughs> yep. uh, so like, it's, it's about reframing your understanding of what it means to like make something good um, and, and deliver yeah, stuff. And I think so. it's interesting, right? Just like kind of watching all this unfold because it's that goodwill part, right? And, and yeah, and like all the companies have lots of bad components. They all fuck up constantly, right? Um, and you end up, but you end up with like between the combination of the stuff you hear about and like the and good and bad. And then your experience with directly with it, um, you just end up with this like kind of overarching like uh, vibe, right? For mm -hmm. for the thing, because like Microsoft in the early two thousands, uh, kind of mean. evil. Like that was the idea. Like, <laughs> like, that, like the name itself made you think of evil, right? Yeah, and like, you would begrudgingly buy you know the next Windows operating system and be like, oh god, well, how what, how how's this thing gonna be? Just full of garbage yeah. and and not run well and yep and then like DRM and then like bad foray yeah. into the internet space with Internet Explorer refusal to actually like mm -hmm. really what do with because they they're focused more on being a monopoly and crushing their competitors and they weren't actually making something good yeah right which we're also seeing in other parts of the industry right and yep. like that just turned into like synonymous with bad right mm -hmm. and and then as they kept on failing to have that strategy work because they didn't have goodwill to go along with it because now they're just like, well, cause oh. again, again, it does work at, at first, it like, works it, like it, co aggressive cost cutting, exploitive labor practices, you know, destroying your competitors. Like these, these things do make you money actually. Like they're very mm -hmm. profitable things to do at the beginning. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But eventually you just run out because, because goodwill is your, is your most powerful resource because it allows you to keep going. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You but know, it isn't for like an individual, right? Because there's someone just trying to like make a fuckload of money, like a like a CEO who will be there for a few years, or investors, right? Well, yeah, and they're measuring a quarterly return. quarterly uh, uh, return yeah. on their. Then on they're, their, they're not looking for that good because yeah. they're going to cash out before that. But yeah, so yeah. so kind of watching all this happen, I think has been very interesting. Like watching because like Microsoft has bought like so many things uh, recently, and like but the the investment that they've been making into the developer community mm -hmm. in the last like four years or three or four years. Like they bought GitHub, the, the biggest place where people store their code, right? Uh, they bought, um, and, they, and they've been developing a completely free code editor called Visual Studio Code. Easily, by so miles, great. the most popular editor mm -hmm. for web development, plus a few other languages. Um, like by miles, and, and mostly that's because it's free, but it's also really good. You know, and, and it's uh, open and adaptable, and people write plugins for it, and yeah. it has a community, and yeah, it's, and then like it's great. TypeScript is developed and managed maintained by Microsoft. That's like they, that's the primary mm -hmm. source of funding. It's an open project, but like they're the stewards of that project, right? They 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 invented it and they own it oh, or bought it. Google, either I way, it was okay. a Google thing. There there was some early like collaboration between some of the big mm -hmm. players, um, but but it, but it, it's, it's, it's kind of solidly stewarded by Microsoft right now. Mm -hmm. It almost makes me think about the idea of like like paying paying tax dollars and then like having that go into education, right? Where it's like. Yeah, you rec you recognize that actually by by you giving something up now in order to make everybody around you everybody around you more capable and more stable. Yeah. Well, and that's smarter exactly and what better, they're doing, right? Yeah. Yep. Then it, it comes back to you a thousandfold forever. Yeah, because like know? if you want to be able to hire smart developers who have lots of experience, you know, doing stuff, right? Then the earlier they got them. to get started, <laughs> fewer barriers of entry they had. And if you're op if you're operating at you know web scale, if you're Microsoft or Google or whoever, and you like invest in that stuff and make that possible, then you you can literally change in the entire global workforce mm. for an industry by making it so that that workforce over the next, you know, five and then 10 years or so is so much more capable because you provided them the tools that they needed to become capable for free, right? That when you then go to hire people, you don't have to compete anymore, right? You're not like, you're not competing against against the other tech giants for all the best talent. Because there's just so much good talent out there that you're like, well, whatever. This is not a big mm -hmm. deal, right? Um, and so, like, it's a good move. And it also creates all the – because the amount of goodwill I have towards Microsoft now 
is enough that I got to be careful not to, you know, trust that too much because mm -hmm. like just every time I, every time I turn around, there's like some cool thing and Microsoft is just like, Oh, we're, we're, we're still, well, yeah, but the thing is free. like, you can, yeah. you can be honest about it, right? Which is like, they're, they're, in, they're a company. So anything that they do, they're doing because they believe that ultimately it's going to lead to them getting back more than they give, right? Because yes, the purpose yeah. of a company is to earn profit, which means to take more than you give. That's what profit mm -hmm. is. Um, and yeah. so like, that's always there, but you can also recognize that, that because they are approaching things in this way, that oftentimes they're going to be doing something that actually works out for you pretty well. Mm -hmm. Right, like having a you know a game pass or VS Code or you know whatever it is. Um, these are things that they are pushing out into the world that are actually pretty great. You know, yeah. and it buys uh, a lot at the of moment. Goodwill. Yeah, at the and, moment. yeah. And the question, of course, yeah. always is going to be like, okay, well, what's the end? What's game the tipping though? point? And, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and like when we get because like because an impossible end game with like oh, buoy the whole global population of developers by giving them resources and and really great tooling, right? Um, because what you're also doing when you do that is you are enabling the the development and and you're enabling the birth of entirely new companies that are going to be based around some piece of tech mm -hmm. that they made, right? Which is all stuff that Microsoft can just go buy, you know, right? So, like in that scenario, like that's not a bad scenario necessarily, right? But if if what they're trying to do is create a larger pool of people who are sufficiently capable for Microsoft to you know hire to do their work, um, that there's no longer as strict of competition, well, that means they can get cheaper labor, right? So that's less good, right? Mm -hmm. um, yep. <laughs> so like, it's still hard to know what the what those outcomes that they're going for are, like what the consequences will be. Um, but it doesn't feel like the intention, which is all that really matters, you know, for your I think opinion. Just, moment, right? The yeah. experience we've had with them has been one of the rare ones where both as consumers of the stuff that they've been producing for the last bit with Game Pass... <laughs> VS Code, et cetera, um, and people dealing with them on the business side. Uh, in both cases, with our recent experience good. with them, it's been it's been good. And usually, yeah, I think yeah. it's usually it's one or the other, where you're like, it's great to be a player of or neither this. sometimes too. Yeah, or neither. <laughs> yeah, which is the worst. Actually, um, usually it's well, neither. Sometimes, I, it's well, I, no, I wouldn't it's say true. usually. I think it's just it's just random. Like it's just a crapshoot, you know. Mm -hmm. um, because yes, so, sometimes you'll you'll have a company that has a great uh, like consumer facing experience. The developer experience is terrible, but then mm -hmm. on the business side, they're great to work with. Or maybe on the business side, they're great to work with, and they like clearly are trying to do a lot to help you, but. They actually like just don't have it together when it comes to like <laughs> delivering stuff to their customers or working on their developer. You know, I, I think I think it's it's just that it it takes a lot for a company to uh, have the 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 like cultural approach to have a really great work environment and have lots of happy people that are good to work with, and to have the technical skill to deliver really great stuff to everybody, like themselves, their customers, and their their you know their uh, business partners and stuff. Um, and, and just to be able to kind of like balance all of that, uh, in, in such a way that it doesn't feel like, cause I think for me, the, one of the biggest complaints of working with any large company is that like, they're, they're too many, they're like an octopus with a distributed nervous mm -hmm. system, right? We talked about in the past, which is like, there's all these tentacles just whipping around and none of them really know where, where the other ones are necessarily. And mm -hmm. so if you talk to somebody in a large company, trying to get something to happen, yeah, um, I will say they don't know who to talk to or how to get it yeah. there. And you well, know. And even and even when they do, there's just a lot of a lot of lag and like it's not clear to take knows what else. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I will say I was yesterday. I was kind of going through to do a, a retrospective on one of our business projects, and uh, <clears throat> and to do it, I was like trying to put a timeline together and figure out like when did stuff happen? Like you know, how long did like when they asked for a thing, how long did it take for us to deliver it? When you know, like when we asked for a thing, how long did it take for them to deliver it? And so on, right? It's just kind of like digging through emails and like and try to uh, try so like you're looking you're looking at like cycle times and communication yeah. patterns and stuff and uh, and the the consistent and then to the like looking back at all of it at once like frankly hilarious thing was that even for our business partners who I describe as like good partners to work with you know business to business person to person um, the the amount of of us just having to repeatedly every single week them to be like, mm -hmm. oh, hey, that thing we talked about what's an increasing number yeah. of weeks ago. Uh, yeah. Yeah. What's the, like, where are we at? Right. And how long it would take, like how many times that would have to happen mm -hmm. before like the next thing would go. Right. And, and so, so the, the, the most hilarious of that kind of collection I was looking at was like the very beginning of the, of the discussions um, had actually come from the, the other company. And they like asked us about a thing. 
And so I was like going back through these emails and like, and like within a day, there was a meeting and there was a follow-up email that Sam had sent that described like, here's what we talked about. And it was like, oh yeah, here's all the things. Like, this is the business thing we're going to do together, right? Mm-hmm. And then it was like three months of absolute non-responsiveness. Or <laughs> 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 Sam yeah. had sent an email every week, right? Th- just nothing. And then yep. finally at that point, they were like, oh, sorry, like the plans basically changed because like something changed over here, right? So like the original intent kind of fell through, but we're like, we're, we're still want to do it though. Mm-hmm. It's just like the shape is going to have to change. So we're, try- we're still trying to figure that out. Another three months of just like nothing. Week nothing. After week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, nothing, right? And this is frankly but, one but of it's, our best it's business nothing, partners. Yeah, but it's nothing from them, right? Like, yeah, exactly. Like, like it's, it's just, just like, Sam, Sam or whoever's in charge of the deal is like, is reaching out consistently and continuously week after week after week after week, mm-hmm. after week trying to refresh. Well, and this, uh, yeah. And that's the right now. Like, too much, yeah. For, yeah, yeah, I'm avoiding saying and giving you details, right? But like for Crashlands yeah. too, we're, we're still doing the same thing. We're just like reaching out to all our potential business partners. And, and like we've gotten, we've gotten tons of like actual interest and like gone through, through discussions extensively with all of our partners, mm-hmm. right? Um, and it's still every, for, for all of them, it's been this still like, we agree to something and then like four weeks of prompting, yeah. like it moves to the, some next step, right? Uh, to the point where like right now, try, trying to decide like, do we, after the break, like when do we start this process again, given how like slow, how mm-hmm. slow and annoying it is to have this like. Well, yeah, but this just is just, an, this is an aspect of, you know, I often think about how, you know, so many, um, especially like early uh game developers, but, but even like it's in any, any creatives, right? Like musicians, authors, you know, whatever, um, trying to sort of like make a dent in the, in the space and make a name for themselves. Um, just don't fully recognize the asymmetry and how they have to operate versus how the, the platform that they are trying to deliver their product through has to operate. Mm -hmm. Right. Which is like, let's say, let's say you're trying to publish a book, you know, and you're trying to do that through a publisher who, who they manage thousands of books every year, mm-hmm. right? Uh, so for you, your book is your whole it's your whole thing. Yep. That you, that you have one thing that you're trying to do, and you're trying to do it as hard as you can, right? And they're trying to do a thousand things, and they don't necessarily care if any one of them happens or doesn't happen. They're just trying to like on average come out on top, right? Mm-hmm. And so so they just don't care at all, really. Right. Yeah. And and the only way to move ahead then is to just be okay with being kind of annoying. You you just have to fill the gap, which is to say uh, it's okay that you don't care as much about this as I do, because given the context, it's not a judgment. It's just a fact. It's a structural fact. How how could they? How could they? So like that makes sense. So I'm going to fill that gap for you with with how much I give a shit about this thing moving forward. And and if you don't want it, then you can just tell me you don't want it, and that's where the discussion will actually stop. But until that point, just we're gonna keep poking. Yeah, we're talking. Yep. Just, and we'll do that. Yeah. just keep poking. Yeah. Well, that's the thing too. Is like, is uh, it's disheartening, right? Yeah, it is hard. Yeah. But 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 still, so far, like every time we've played this game of just like week after week, ping, 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 mm-hmm. right? Um, eventually, something happens, yep. right? And it's very likely that had we not kept doing that that thing wouldn't have happened every single mm-hmm. time because of that asymmetry. And, and it's also that re- recognition of it's not th- like non-responsiveness is not even about their interest. At like it's just, they, right? because just, if they're just busy. Yeah. They're just busy. If it's, if they're, they're, if they're talking busy. to triple yeah. A's and like, and like a billion dollars is on the line. Yeah. They're going to be responsive. That's true. Even right? then, maybe not that <laughs> responsive. <laughs> not that responsive. <laughs> because it's not going to be the only large deal that they yeah. have. Yeah. You know? That's true. Yeah. That's true. Um, yeah, and, like, and also they're going to be, it's a large company talking to a large company, which means the communication channels, there's more of them yeah, and it's, it's more confusing, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and so, yeah, it's, but yeah, the, the big mistake is to is to take silence as a positive, like as an as an affirmation that they're not interested, right? Yeah. Yes. And really, it's just that like it's a neutral. They, it's just nothing. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. mean anything at all, other than that something slipped through the cracks, or they're busy, or mm-hmm. they forgot, or you know, or or in some cases, maybe the person you were talking to actually like went on vacation and didn't turn on their reminder or they got fired and somebody new is coming in and they're trying to figure out how to, you know, there's so many reasons why you would just get no response that if you, if you take the first, you know, week or or even month of silence as 
as an expression of disinterest, and then you just give up at that point. Yeah. Nah. You know, it's just wrong, right? The, it's mm-hmm. just it's you just you've mis misinterpreted uh, the the situation. So be persistent with that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyways, well, I, I wanted to get to some questions, but we don't have time. So I think you know, I mean, it was, would, it was big. It was a big. Week. It was a lot. It was I want to make news, I want to make but, one last just little comment about the, the money involved with this because mm-hmm. of just how big it is. Because I, yeah. I saw some people who were like after this announcement came up who were uh, expressing various amounts of just in, incredulity, right? But it's it's mostly focused around the question of like, what does that amount of money mean, right? Like, what is it? Like $70 billion, right? And so one of the questions I kept seeing pop up was like, how many indie games could you fund, right, with that amount of money? Um mm-hmm. And so well, if you take, are we talking? Are we talking an indie developer? We're talking professional indie who is games. being actually paid a wage commensurate yeah. with yeah. their work, or yes. what most indie devs pay themselves? Yeah, I mean, I mean, like yeah. actual, like livable wage, kind of, you know, kind of yeah. thing, right? Um, yeah, and like, and there's a if you look around for 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 tech companies, uh, a, a number that you'll see pretty classically is like if you assume it's going to cost you ten thousand dollars a month per employee. Right, mm-hmm. yeah. you're be thinking, oh, that's a lot, right? Because like it's 120,000 dollars a year, uh, except of the sheer number of taxes you have to pay, all the services you have to buy, all the like, taxes, all rent, insurance, yeah. equipment. It just keeps. You know, it's, it's it's not that each person is getting ten thousand dollars; it's that it's just costing yeah. you ten thousand yeah. dollars a month some to have that, those people. Yeah, and <laughs> some of that is wages, uh, and like, and I think that's actually seems to be a a, a good enough average that you can just mm-hmm. say, okay, that's. We'll just call it 10K a month per person, right? Um, so if you're like a five-person studio, which is like mm-hmm. a small indie team, right? And now you're talking $600,000 a year, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And then let's say they can make a game every two years. There's a, there's 1.2 million. Boom. Yep. We'll just call okay. it a million for easy. So right? I'm okay. going to do the math here. Okay, 70 so billion. How many millions are in 70 billion? I mean, uh, 70,000. 70,000. Millions are in 70 billion. So, yeah. so you could fund yeah. 70,000 reasonably paid <laughs> five person indie teams for two years. That each. took two years. Yeah. To make games, right? Yep. That's insane. That's inc- it's incredible. And even if you just take like uh, Bobby Kotick's- Well, it's, it's, uh, it's 58,000 because of the 1.2 million, but yeah, it's pretty yeah, close. Yeah. It's a yeah. lot. Yeah. Yeah. 60,000 60, companies of five people each, they, they mm-hmm. could just be funded right? for two years. Wild. And then like Bobby Kotick's, his little, you know, golden parachute um, is like $200 million, right? So his little one person, one shitty person, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Is, and that if he does a bad job, so he gets fired. He gets right? $250 million. He gets $250 million. <laughs> yeah. And that amount of money for a person that is universally disliked, right? And did a bad job. How how many indie studios mm-hmm. could that fund, right? Well, it's- Honestly, this Literally this idea of the golden parachute, years. the golden parachute thing, is one of the most like baffling concepts of the modern era for me because, like, everything about CEO because power. because in, <laughs> because in in every job ever, right? Sometimes sometimes you'll get a bonus uh, either like if the company did super super well, right, or if you yourself met some kind of a pre specified benchmark, mm-hmm. right? And the bonus is rarely rarely commensurate with like what the actual like thing that you did was right mm-hmm. uh but in this case it's like you can you can do such a bad job that the company has to fire you mm-hmm. and you get a bonus for that that is the equivalent of like tens of thousands of of the average person's annual salary like, like that is because like using like our small little indie team of you know, five people, whatever. Like that's we're talking a thousand people over two years making video games, right? That could yeah. be paid. Yeah, and you get that as a bonus. This one guy for getting fired. Yeah, for, for getting, getting fired. Yeah, that's his. That's his paycheck for the for oh, the I task of say, getting fired. <laughs> to wrap this up is fuck that guy. Yeah. 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 Well, we'll see what happens to him. I'm I'm curious about that side of things. That's all pretty hush hush right now. So you know, his worst case scenario is he walks away with 250 million dollars. So hate it. Yep. Yep. Very very cool. Good job, everyone. Very cool. This this is a good system we all have got here. We all yeah. We collectively came up with this somehow. So, anyways, uh, we'll we'll hang it up there. But next week I want to get to some questions. So uh, so definitely go over to. 
go to podcast.bsketch.net, drop some questions in, and we'll do as many as we can. Uh, we'd like to thank our producers, Fat Bard and Jen Coster, for putting the podcast together. And thanks to our community moderators who keep our Discord running to get more involved in the Butterscotch community. Just go to podcast.bscotch.net. We have links to the Discord, a way for you to donate, and links to the archives. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.